letters forty three to forty four of the history of lady barton this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c the history of lady barton by elizabeth griffith letters forty three to forty four letter forty three lady barton to miss cleveland seek no longer my fanny to save me from the miseries which i have brought upon myself but try my sister to secure your own peace by devoting to oblivion the memory of a wretch that seems marked for destruction i feel the snares of fate wound round me and i but vainly struggle to escape the toils a little gleam of comfort had beamed upon me from your last letter the kindness of your wishes had raised an ardour in my mind for their accomplishment which amounted almost to a hope of success and i look forward with anxious desire to some future era when my happiness should confirm your prophecy in this temper of mine i walked slowly and lonely along to the temple which i have already mentioned to you and if now and then a few vagrant tears strayed down my cheeks i considered them as drops of a salutary woe and did not once wish to restrain the healthful current in fine i may truly say that many weeks have passed since my poor harassed mind enjoyed so sweet a calm before when i had reached my little asylum i re-read your letter and found but one passage in it that gave me pain i will not now say which it was for that anguish has been entirely absorbed in a far greater one i took up a pen to write to you which instantly dropped from my hand at the sight of lord lucan's portrait which lay before me on the table by an involuntary motion i took up the picture and looking on it exclaimed it is too true louisa lord lucan is not banished from southfield from ash park from my sight for ever enroaching and presuming man couldst thou not be content with that idle likeness which my too fond fancy had already traced upon my mind but at the hazard of my reputation would obtrude this mimic resemblance on my sight while i pronounced these words the door opened and colonel walter stood before me i dropped the picture he took it up seated himself by me and addressed me in pretty near the same words which polydor uses when he finds momita in tears i had just presence of mind enough to say that i was not then disposed to play the fool 
he instantly assumed a more serious air caught hold of my hand and insolently declared a passion for me which he boasted had commenced at the same moment with lord lucan's that respect had hitherto kept him silent till he found that his rival was likely to carry away the prize by his audacity and that this alone had determined him to urge his equal attachment to me surprise had hitherto kept me silent grief now stopped my utterance i saw myself in the power of a wretch whom i knew to be devoid of generosity or pity i saw my ruin plain i see it still it was in vain to deny my regard for lord lucan the words which he had heard me utter and the fatal picture which was then in his possession were proofs inconvertible my tears had no effect on him he pursued his brutal discourse by saying that lord lucan was certainly more calculated for inspiring a romantic childish passion than himself and that he most willingly resigned all the sentimental and platonic part of my affection to him but that i had charms sufficient to render them both happy which he hoped my prudence would incline me to when i reflected that he was not the confidant of my choice and had therefore a right to expect that he should be bribed to secrecy i could contain my resentment no longer but with eyes sparkling with indignation bid him fly that moment from my sight and make whatever use his villainy might suggest of the secret which his meanness and insolence had obtained that i would rely for my justification from his malice and on my innocence and the candour of sir william barton who should certainly be acquainted with the return he made to his friendship he replied with the most insulting fraudeur that if sir william had really a friendship for him he would certainly give him a preference in the purchase of a jewel which he neither knew how to value or preserve and in which he seemed to have nothing more at present than a nominal property in short madame continued he though i have been a soldier i am not so much inclined to cutting of throats as to deliver you from sir william's tyranny merely to leave you at liberty to bestow yourself on lord lucan but if you will condescend to make a concession to the warmth of that passion your charms have inspired me with i will protect you from your husband and the whole world beside at the hazard of my life and fortune in love at least i am a swiss and will not fight without pay remember madame that you are much more in my power than i am in yours and that if you should attempt to raise sir william's resentment toward me 
i can with the greatest ease return it upon yourself this picture madame restore it sir this moment on certain terms you may command it madame what are they make me as happy as you have made the original of it and all my future life shall be devoted to you hear me sir while i call heaven to witness that lord lucan never solicited a criminal indulgence from me and that my heart has never yet admitted a thought that could reflect dishonour on my husband yet criminal to him and heaven i am perhaps for having yielded a secret though involuntary preference to another object the punishment of this my greatest guilt i now receive from you and if there be a spark of honour or humanity remaining in your breast you will not only cease to persecute an unhappy woman who has confessed her weakness to you but convert the unworthy passion you have dared to urge to pity alas i dare not say esteem he was silent i ventured to look up and through the dim medium of my tears i thought he seemed affected charming angelic tyrant he exclaimed oh were that tender weakness you have now avowed but felt for me how should i worship even that false delicacy which deems it criminal but it is deceitful all lord lucan madame has solicited never never sir recall the morning scene at waltersborough conviction flashed upon me at the instant and resentment hurried me beyond all tamer considerations i do sir and am now convinced you were the person who then insulted me you only could have had the presumption to attempt so base an outrage and your knowing it has now revealed the mystery you were the audacious monster who violated at once the laws of decency and hospitality would to heaven my death had been the consequence but let what will happen now i will no longer hold a moment's parley with you i strove at that instant to rush out of the temple but he prevented me by seizing one of my hands and saying i plead guilty madame but be assured i never should have made so daring an essay but that i thought in such a situation lord lucan might have succeeded a thousand circumstances concurred to make me think so i looked upon the straining of his leg as a contrivance to excuse his going out with the rest of the hunters that he might spend his time more happily with you and had it been so could you blame me madame my love my admiration are as strong as his detested love detested admiration was all that i could utter 
i know it madame then leave me sir this moment not till you have pardoned a fault for which i never can forgive myself as it has distressed or offended you on one condition i will pardon you sir and on no other name it madame that you shall never presume to hint your hateful passion more impossible as well not bid me breath but let not your sentence be too severe for i have terms to make as well as you suppose that i at that instant i heard the footsteps of a person running towards the temple it was harriet who came to tell me that her uncle was arrived gracious heaven i exclaimed in a low voice what will become of me the colonel replied in the same tone rely upon my friendship and be happy harriet looked amazed but with the utmost tenderness begged that i would compose myself as she was sure sir william would be shocked were he to see my agitation not if he knew the cause said colonel walter i stared upon him wildly he proceeded lady barton has had a fall and sprained her ankle the shock has hurried her spirits and i was this moment going to the house to order the cabriole to bring her home harriet looked as if she doubted but took the hint and said you had best do so sir and let my uncle know of the accident as it will account for my aunt's delay i was silent yet sure my situation was truly pitiable in being reduced to the sad dilemma either of joining in a deceit with a person whom i detested or of exposing myself to the prying eyes of my husband under such circumstances as must alarm him and call for explanation the colonel then turned to me and said is it your pleasure madame that i should go yes yes was all that i could utter and the moment he was gone burst again into a passion of tears upon which harriet cried out why is not lucy here i have no influence upon my aunt i am not worthy to advise you are you are my dear what would you have me do have pity on sir william and yourself and try to calm your spirits for sure he never will believe they could be ruffled thus by so slight an accident believe me madame i would lay down my life to make you happy though it is but a small compliment for it is of very little value to myself she turned aside to hide a starting tear i clasped her to my breast and said do not my harriet add to my distress by suffering me to think you are unhappy 
Sir William and the cabriole came together. He embraced me very affectionately and rallied me on my cowardice in being so affected by my fall, wanted much to see my ankle, which I declined, took me up in his arms and seated me in the chair, walked by my side till we got to the house, and again lifted me out of it into my dressing-room. Oh, think, my sister, what I then endured, but you can never know deceit has ever been a stranger to your heart and the sharp stings of self-contempt have never entered there benson flew to me with arc brusade vinegar etc the conscious of the mean part i then acted rendered me peevish and i hastily bid her leave the room i blushed as the words escaped me was it her fault that i was become contemptible when she was gone out harriet said i fear madame you are much hurt indeed yes harriet to the heart i sunk down upon the couch and covered my face with my handkerchief she threw herself at my feet and without attempting to pry into the cause implored me to let her put a bandage round my ankle lest sir william should be alarmed at my supposed obstinacy and send for a surgeon this i refused and on the instant resolved to extricate myself from the hateful appearance of having entered into a mean collusion with colonel walter i rang the bell for benson and assuming as cheerful a countenance as i could put on told her that i had not received any hurt that required particular application and that time should be my only physician i then dressed myself as usual and when the last dinner bell rung i desired harriet to accompany me to the parlour sir william seemed surprised at seeing me walk and said he was just then coming to assist me or as the old ballad said to take up his load of vanity when i sat down to table i found myself extremely ill i tried to eat but in vain i soon retired after dinner and sat down to write this account of my mortification to you it's now eight o'clock and i can no longer support the violent pain in my head or hold the pen adieu adieu my sister my friend my confidant l barton p s by whom or how contrived the picture has been laid on the table in the temple i cannot guess nor know i yet through what medium to inquire about it letter forty four lady barton to miss cleveland many days have elapsed since i concluded my last letter to my fanny some of them have passed like the arrow that flieth through the air and leaves no trace behind would i had accompanied their flight but alas it will not be 
and by the same almighty fiat which first called me into being i am again recalled from the confines of eternity may that gracious power that has been pleased to prolong my existence endue me with resignation to his all-wise decrees i am at present but ill able to write the account i can give you of myself must therefore be short but it will tell my sister that i live and notwithstanding my desiring her to forget me i still flatter myself that my life is of consequence to her happiness the moment i had sealed my last letter to you i found myself unable to sit up and went to bed but not to rest about eleven sir william came into my chamber and on finding me extremely feverish muttered something about fine ladies being always vaporish or indisposed and wished me a good night never was health more sincerely welcomed by a dying wretch than sickness was now to me i hoped i trusted i should be released and invoked the king of terrors with the unhappy constance o amiable lovely death arise forth from thy couch of lasting night thou hate and terror to prosperity come grin on me and i will think thou smilest and kiss thee as thy wife misery's love o come to me in this manner did i pass the night rejoicing in the increase of my disorder till the delirium which it brought on rendered me insensible to it and everything else for five days i continued in a state of mental annihilation the return of my reason was like the appearance of an ingus fatus it glimmered and vanished several times as if unwilling to return to the wretched habitation which it had forsaken harriet my beloved my gentle harriet whose tenderness and attention to me has been unremitted assures me that sir william was much afflicted during my illness and that though colonel walter endeavoured to console him yet he also appeared much affected and quitted the house the next day may the miseries which he has brought upon me make a proper impression on his heart and turn his detested passion into contrition for his crimes and compassion for the sufferings of his injured wife as soon as i was pronounced out of danger sir william went to visit a distant part of his estate where he is establishing a manufacture he has been gone ten days and in that time i think both my mind and body have acquired strength perhaps it is owing to the weakness of the latter that former is more composed but i will endeavour to enjoy the temporary calm though i fear that the storm has only subsided and may perhaps return with double fury to wreck this feeble bark but that as it may 
i shall ever remain your truly affectionate sister l barton p s where and how is mrs walter assure her of my kindest remembrance her sufferings are so deeply engraved on my heart that not even my own can efface them happy fanny that have been able to mitigate even a part of her sorrows by removing the bitter pangs of maternal anxiety for the fate of a beloved child End of letters 43 to 44